Amen. Not only is this the final message of the year, it's also the fourth and final message in our series uh, called Christmas Is. It's been a great series throughout December. Each of the four messages has been uh, a different theme with a different example of someone in the Bible who embodies that theme. We started the first week with the theme of giving, and our example was the wise men with the uh, gifts that they brought for the Lord. The second week, our theme was trusting. We talked about Joseph and his amazing example of trusting the Lord. Then last week, of course, Christmas Eve, Pastor Tim uh, preached a great message using the shepherds as an example of what sharing looks like. Sharing was the theme. This week, our theme is serving. And if you're looking for someone who shows us what it looks like to have the heart of a servant, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better example than Mary, the mother of Jesus. And her response to God's calling on her life, which we find in Luke chapter 1. If you want to turn to Luke chapter 1, we're going to be there looking mostly at verses 26 through 38, although we'll jump around a little bit in the uh, chapter there. And before we even get into it, I want to take just a, a moment to point something out. It mentions the angel Gabriel in this passage. He shows up a couple of times even just in this chapter. He appears to Zechariah to talk about the birth of John the Baptist. And uh, he says, if you look actually in verse 19, he says, the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. This seems to be kind of a, a role that Gabriel has in the Bible is that he uh, is sent by God with specific and important messages that have to do with the unfolding of God's plan for mankind. He actually appeared in the Old Testament book of Daniel. It was Gabriel who appeared to Daniel in chapters 8 and 9. He appeared uh, to explain to Daniel the meaning of certain uh, prophetic visions that Daniel had had concerning end times prophecies. So the point here is that Gabriel is kind of a big deal. He's a heavy hitter. He's not like your run-of-the-mill angel, like you're just an everyday angel, kind of like uh, the one in uh, It's a Wonderful Life. You remember that? Uh, did you watch uh, over the holidays? Did you watch It's a Wonderful Life? Yes? A lot of you? Three of you. Great. Um, I watch it every year. It's one of my favorite movies. But this angel... Um, do you happen to know the angel's name? Clarence. That's good. Somebody over here knows his last name. Clarence Oddbody. That's his, that's his name. That's quite a name for an angel. But this angel is like, uh, he's kind of a piece of work. He's kind of sloppy. His hair is messed up. He's disheveled. He's an angel second class. Doesn't have his wings yet. He's kind of a knucklehead. But... Gabriel is like way higher up on the angel org chart than that. He's like way closer to the top. And uh, I don't know, I, I'm just pointing that out 
because this is, like, note to self, if the angel Gabriel ever appears to you, like, write down whatever he says, because it's really important. So keep that in mind as we jump into the text here. Let's read, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Let me put a pin in it right there for a second. Have you ever noticed that this happens when angels appear to people in Scripture? They get really freaked out, and then the angel has to, like, talk them off the ledge and be like, it's okay, it's okay. Don't, don't be afraid. This is, this is good. It must be really overwhelming and kind of terrifying to be visited by an angel. <laughs> uh, glorious, otherworldly creature. Um, and that is the reaction that Mary had. She was uh, greatly troubled, as it says. And the angel says, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. So here we have the archangel Gabriel appearing to this young woman, Mary. He tells her this incredible thing that's about to happen to her. She's going to conceive and bear a child, and the child will be the son of the Most High. An incredible piece of information. <clears throat> and Mary's response to it also is incredible. Under the circumstances, she takes it pretty well because it's, uh, it's a troublesome piece of information. The thing that Gabriel is telling her is, first of all, humanly impossible, which is why she asks, in verse 34, how will this be since I am a virgin? I mean, the angel says, you're about to become pregnant, conceive a child and, and bear him in your womb. And she's like, but I haven't been with a man. I'm in the middle of this betrothal period, which is like an engagement, but it's this months-long uh, period. So it's not like she was going to get married next week. It was going to be a while. So she's saying if this pregnancy is going to happen anytime soon, like, we have a slight logistical problem here. Like, this is humanly impossible. But even more than that, it was highly inconvenient. Because if Mary gets pregnant before she is married, this creates all sorts of problems for her. 
I mean, first of all, how is she going to explain it to the man that she's betrothed to? Joseph might not take it so well when, she, when he finds out that she's pregnant. This could derail the entire betrothal and marriage thing. And for a woman to be uh, having a child out of wedlock uh, at that time in, in that culture, lots of shame and scandal attached to that, really not a good way for a young woman to get started in life. So you'd think that uh, her response would be that she would take this as bad news and that she would have a bad attitude about it and that she would have to be dragged kicking and screaming into a calling like that. But Mary's response is actually incredible. She says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So somehow, despite all these challenges and difficulties and problems attached to what she's being told here, Mary's response reveals the heart of a willing and joyful servant. I mean, she doesn't say, can't you find somebody else or can't we wait until uh, after I'm married? That would solve a lot of problems for me, Gabriel. She doesn't do any of that. She's like, let it be to me according to your word. Exactly what you're saying, I'm in. Bring it on. In fact, if you read down a little farther... There's this thing called Mary's Song of Praise or the Magnificat, depending on what translation they'll, they'll describe it as, the Magnificat. Just kind of a cool word, hey man, Magnificat. It's like it's a good band name. Anyway, I digress. In, in verse 46, she just starts to praise the Lord and she says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. This does not sound like a person who has just received bad news, does it? <laughs> she seems actually pretty fired up about this. She's into it. She's happy. Which is amazing because if we're honest, most of us would have a hard time being so excited and having the heart of a joyful servant in a situation like that. E even now, for us, when it comes to serving the Lord, especially if there's any inconvenience involved, many of us kind of back away from it and just say, oh, I don't know, I don't, I don't uh, have the time, I don't have the resources, I don't have the bandwidth for this, this is not a good... This doesn't work for me right now. So we end up saying no to opportunities to serve the Lord if it's inconvenient. Or we, maybe we say yes, but when we start to feel the pinch of those inconveniences, we uh, don't have a particularly great attitude about it. We're sort of sighing and groaning and complaining, and we miss out on this joy that is so evident in Mary. So the question is, how does she do it? Where does Mary's joyful attitude come from? How could she have the heart of a servant, a willing and joyful servant, when faced with such an inconvenient calling? And what we're going to see in the text is that she was able to have that heart of a joyful servant because she knew a couple of things. She knew two things that enabled that. First of all, 
she knew that her service would bless other people. She knew her service was going to be a blessing to other people. See, when the angel told Mary that her child would be called the Son of the Most High, and he said things like, of his kingdom there will be no end, and he used those sort of, those sort of words to describe this child, she knew that that could only mean one thing, that the child she would be giving birth to was going to be the Messiah, the promised one, the one who had been prophesied about in the scriptures that God's people had been looking forward to, the one through whom God was going to bring salvation to untold numbers of people. So Mary, apart from being inconvenienced, was being given this amazing opportunity to be part of something bigger than herself something that would have ripple effects of blessings for other people, not only then, but for generations to come. That's why she says, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She was looking at the bigger picture here. She, she knew that this, this is not just about her. It was about God wanting to bless other people and wanting to use her as the instrument to make that happen. And she found joy in that. Mary may have been a very young woman at this point, but she did have the maturity to know that joy is not found in getting what you want or having things go your own way in life. She was with it enough to know that uh, true joy is found in being used by God to bless other people that there's a greater satisfaction, there's a meaning and a joy that comes from that that outweighs any inconvenience that that kind of service might cause. And the inconvenience to her was like incredible, actually, if you look at the way that that kind of derailed her life because the first thing that happened is that uh, her... Dreams of her marriage were like disruptive because, uh, you know, she's, she's this young person. She, she has hopes and dreams and expectations for the future just like anybody else. She's betrothed to be married. She would certainly have pictured, you know, how that was going to go. She saw herself settling down with her husband, starting a family, raising kids, being a wife and a mother, finding satisfaction in the things that come with that kind of domestic life and trying to make a home together. And that was the plan. And then this angel comes along with this good news, and the first thing that happens is that her husband uh, decides to call off of the marriage. Talks about that in Matthew chapter 1. I won't, won't make you turn there, but what it says is that when Mary was found to be pregnant... It said, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So he's like, I'm out. But an angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream and says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So he's like, okay. Then he changes his mind back, and he does take Mary to be his wife. But for a while there... He was planning, he knew she was pregnant, 
and he was planning on divorcing her because he apparently did not believe that the child was his. He knew that, and that it was he didn't believe it was conceived by the Holy Spirit. We assume that Mary would have told him that, right? She probably brought that up. <laughs> it would have been a pertinent thing to mention. Like the Bible does not record that conversation between Mary and Joseph, but oh, to have been a fly on the wall for that one. Because, you know, what's she going to say? Oh, uh, honey, I have news. I'm pregnant. Don't worry, I didn't cheat on you. I'm still a virgin. But, like, how's he supposed to respond? So you're pregnant, uh, like, but you're still a virgin. She's, uh, okay. Look, honey, I'm no doctor, but I'm pretty sure there's only one way that happens, and I wasn't part of it. So, and, and so, you know, what does she say? Uh, don't worry, it's, it's conceived by the Holy Spirit. An angel appeared to me, told me the whole thing. It's, it's totally legit, it's above board. So, like, how do you, you know, you can't blame the guy, is what I'm saying, for being skeptical. It's a completely fantastic piece of information. <laughs> so he's like, all right, we can do this on the DL to avoid scandal, but uh, we're calling this whole thing off until the angel appears to him and says, Joseph, she wasn't kidding. This is from the Holy Spirit. And so he's like, okay, and they get married, and it seems like they got that problem straightened out, but that was not the end of their problems by a long shot, because as soon as uh, this baby is born, King Herod finds out about this Christ child, and he wants to kill him. So then they're on the run. Like, a, you know, Joseph is getting these visions where he's told they got to go to Egypt and they're like fugitives now. And Herod has this decree where he's killing all of the boys younger than two and it's terrible. So they're, they're like, they're refugees at this point. They're on the run. And eventually when the boy grows up, he goes around... He leaves home, he's sleeping on the ground. People are following him around because they love him, but also people hate him and they want him dead and they eventually get a hold of him and kill him and nail him to a cross at a relatively young age. So this child that she is going to give birth to here is going to have a short and tumultuous life that is going to completely disrupt their whole family. Any dreams of domestic stability and normalcy that she might have had as a young woman went out the window when that angel told her what was going to happen. So this thing that she was being called upon to do was, was highly inconvenient, but she embraced it with a joyful heart of a servant because she knew that it wasn't just about her, that this was bigger than her. She knew that God would use her service to bless other people, and she found joy in that. Now, obviously, none of us are in the exact same situation as Mary. But we all can relate to her in this one way, that serving the Lord can be very inconvenient. A lot of times, it'll cost you something. 
could mean that you have to find time and carve a few hours out of a schedule that already feels overloaded in order to go and serve the Lord in some way. Or it could mean giving financially to support gospel ministries that are great, that you believe in, but the thing is, finances are a little tight right now, and I don't know where that money's going to come from. So this is really an inconvenient time to be giving. But, like Mary, we are given the opportunity to participate in something that's bigger than ourselves. And we have the chance to be used by God to bless other people in ways that have ripple effects that will actually outlive us and have an impact on future generations. I think even the church that we're sitting in right now is an example of that. There are people who served decades ago when this church was just getting off the ground, people who gave of their, their time, talents, and treasures to, to bring this church into existence. And a lot of those people are not here anymore. Some of them have just passed away. But God used what they gave as a foundation to build this, where the gospel is being preached and taught to our children week in and week out in the children's ministry, and lives are being impacted. So when we spend our time, talent, and treasure in a way that God can use to bless other people, there is real joy in that. That's where true joy is found, and Mary knew that. She could see that unfolding, about to unfold in her own life, and that's why she was able to have that response of a willing and joyful servant's heart because she knew that her service would bless other people. But she knew something else, something even more beautiful. She knew that her Lord would be with her. She knew her Lord would be with her. That's the first thing the angel said to her. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Notice that the angel did not say the Lord will be with you. He wasn't talking about like, oh, you're going to give birth to the Lord and he's going to live in your house. And in that way, the Lord will be there with you. Because that's a future tense thing. The Holy Spirit will come upon you in the near future. But he shows up and he said, Mary, oh favored one, the Lord is with you right now, present tense. But what does he mean by with you? What does it mean to say that the Lord is with you? I think it's important for us to define it, especially with a word like with. I mean, it's a very common word. We use it every day. You always assume, assume that you know what this word means, but actually the word with has a lot of different nuances depending on how you use it. Like you could say, I ate a hot dog with mustard, not ketchup. No, never. I ate a hot dog with mustard, indicating the presence of mustard on the hot dog. Or you could say, I was swimming with the current, indicating that we're going in the same direction. Or as a musician, I think of, uh, I think of songs with the word with. Hit me with your best shot, meaning, Whatever it means, it means that you like Pat Benatar. 
which is cool, but it could mean a lot of different things depending on the circumstances. And in this case, when the angel says, the Lord is with you, I think maybe our first thought would be, okay, the Lord is there. He's gonna be present in her life, or he already is. The Lord is here in this room. Because often it's like, I will go to church with you. I will be present with you. So we assume that that's what it means, but it means more than that here. You can tell because of what he says right before that. Greetings, O favored one. And he uses that word again a couple verses later when he says uh, in verse 30, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Mary was favored by God. I looked up synonyms for the word favored and the words that popped up were things like beloved, precious, cherished, things that indicate strong, positive feelings. So when he says the Lord is with you and that you are favored, it doesn't just mean that the Lord is there. It indicates something about God's attitude towards Mary. Not just that he's there, it means that he's actively on her side. He's in her corner. He's got her back. It means that he is for her. Whatever trials she's going to have to face, whatever valleys she has to go through, whatever inconveniences might arise as a result of this calling on her life, that she will not have to face these things alone. God himself will be with her. He is for her. She is favored. He will be the source of her strength and comfort. He will be working all things together for her good. He will meet all of her needs. That's why she was so filled with joy. That's how she could have the heart of a servant and say, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me just as you have said because she knew her service was gonna be used by God to bless others and that the Lord was with her. Now, it's true for us, too. Mary wasn't the only favored one. I mean, yes, she had a very unique and important role to play in the gospel story, and I don't want to downplay that in any way, but it is very true to say <clears throat> that God's favor is not reserved only for Mary, the mother of Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've placed your faith in him, and received him as Lord and Savior, God has already showered favor upon you. And we can say truly that we are favored by God. Our sins have been forgiven. We've been brought from death to life, from darkness to light. The Holy Spirit of God has taken up residence within us from the moment we believed, and he is with us And he continues to shower his favor upon us, working within us to sanctify us, to lead us and guide us, provide for us, to give us strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. For those of us who are saved, if we are in Christ, if we have found our hope and life and redemption in him, then these words that the angel Gabriel said to Mary are not just for Mary, they are for us as well. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Isn't that glorious? 
Isn't that the basis of having a willing and joyful servant's heart that would respond to whatever his plan is for our lives? Therefore, I will just say in closing that however the Lord may be calling each and every one of us to serve him with our time, talent, or treasure today, maybe there's some opportunity that has presented itself to you to to give, to serve, to support, to be involved in the ministry of the gospel but you've been a little hesitant because it's just not a convenient time right now. I want to encourage you to point out that whatever inconvenience there may be is more than made up for by the fact that our service, any way that we serve the Lord, anything we give to the Lord, he uses to bless others. and that he is truly with us. And so we can, with confidence and with joy, take the example of Mary, and we can say, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Amen?